Please be seated. Good morning. I have a confession. My first reaction when I looked at today's readings was, thank God there isn't a parable. I think every time I've been honored to be asked to be a lay preacher here, I get a New Testament reading with a parable. And I have enjoyed exploring them, but wow, some of those parables are a serious exercise in mental and theological gymnastics, and I am not professionally equipped for that. So imagine my delight to be handed this reading from Acts. I love the Acts of the Apostles. Acts are straightforward, action-oriented, and jam-packed with miracles and baptisms and missions and shared meals and conversions and not a parable in sight. Hallelujah. So Katie preached a couple weeks ago about how she loves the power of the stories in Acts. I also like the stories in Acts because they make the text, I think, relatable. I love that Luke writes today's portion in the first person, and as such, we're really drawn into the narrative of the apostles establishing this church in the time after the ascension. The opening of today's portion reads, with Paul and Silas, we came to Philippi. As we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl. The use of we here really draws us into the story. We're all on this journey that unfolds from Jerusalem to Rome and all the people that we meet along the way. Today's readings from Acts also contains one of my favorite and I think maybe one of the most relatable phrases in the entire Bible. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said, I feel you, Paul. Because let's face it, ask my kids, mom, very much annoyed, turned and said, backpacks do not live on the kitchen floor. Mom, very much annoyed, turned and said, if I step on these Legos one more time, I'm going to throw them away. Mom, very much annoyed, turned and said, I fail to understand why this dog has not yet been walked. I love this phrase so much that I looked up how it translates in other versions. The King James Version cites this phrase as, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said. New International Version uses annoyed, but turns the phrase as finally Paul became so annoyed that he. I like our version, though. It's actually a rather modern turn of phrase, and I suspect I'm not the only one who can relate. We know this feeling when you're annoyed. Your heart rate goes up. You're breathing harder. Paul was very much annoyed. And like any of us, when we're feeling this way, we're probably not operating as our best self. It takes so much more effort to be patient, generous, and kind. What I do when I'm annoyed is rarely the same thing I would do if I were more thoughtful and calm. Paul here, on the surface, looks like he's doing a good thing by casting out the spirit from the girl. But I suspect I'm not the only one who, if you think about it, is really worried about this girl. We never hear about her again. Paul reacted swiftly because he was annoyed. In so doing, he might have taken away her value to her masters and her subsequent relative safety. Regardless of whether he helped her or not, I don't see his motivation here as altruistic, but more a knee-jerk reaction in response to his own frustration in the moment. And of course, he's not the only one with questionable motives. The girl's owners drag Paul and Cyrus Silas in front of the magistrates, not really because they think Paul and Silas are advocating customs and beliefs at odds with their laws. It looks to me like the owners are primarily just angry that Paul took away their source of revenue. They were very much annoyed. It's so relatable. 
In my day job, I do a lot of leadership coaching, and we call this the reactive mindset. When we're feeling this way, our focus narrows. It's the part of the brain that goes to that fight, flight, or freeze. The neuroscience here tells us that we do not do our best work in the reactive mindset. It's useful in a true momentary crisis, like deciding to leave a burning building or not stepping into traffic, but it's seldom where we're going to accomplish great things. The opposite is called the creative mindset, or if you're familiar with Carol Dweck's work, she calls it the growth mindset. When we're in this creative mindset, we're using our prefrontal cortex, and that's the part of the brain that sees the big picture, takes other people and context into account, and focuses on what we want to accomplish together. In the creative mindset, our conversations are not knee-jerk responses, but filled with curiosity and focused on positive and constructive outcomes. Being in a creative mindset allows for thoughtful, generous responses. Look at the rest of today's story in Acts. Paul was definitely in a creative mindset at the end. Even though he was imprisoned, he was singing and praying. He was virtuous and not leaving the jail and gracious towards the jailer. And that, in turn, inspires the jailer to conversion, which is the happy outcome of what we're trying to accomplish together. I feel like this is useful to think about. How do we more quickly realize when we're being reactive? How do we pull ourselves out of it? I think we all want to strive to be our better selves. Of course, it's totally human to get irritated, flustered, frustrated, very much annoyed. So I try to identify and practice those things that can pull me more swiftly out of that state and to a better place. Because I don't know about you, but I am seldom proud of the way I conduct myself in conversations when I'm reactive. I regret when I snap at my kids or roll my eyes in a meeting because that's not who I want to be. Understanding what most often creates annoyance in me helps. Also, when I'm in the moment, breathing is a great trick, just stopping to take some deep breaths. It does wonders to reverse our brain's spiral towards that fight or flight. Grounding helps, too, looking down at the ground or up at the sky. But outside of those in-the-moment hacks, looking for what inspires us can really do wonders. The jailer in Acts was inspired to goodness upon seeing the virtue in Paul and Silas not leaving. We can remind ourselves, in prayer or otherwise, that our better selves are already inside us. That's what the gospel from John today tells us. God's love is inside of all of us. We are one with it. The trick, of course, is tapping into it. And sometimes that's really hard to do. There is so much heartbreak in the world right now that goes well beyond simple annoyance. The seemingly constant onslaught of true evil is wrenching and difficult to bear. It wears down our souls. It really does. It may feel like our ability to tap into God's love is depleted. We need desperately to remind ourselves that God's love, God's thumbprint, is there. As we all struggle to try to process the horrific event in Texas this week, one thing that helped me try to stay in that right mindset was to reach out and help others. I sent a note to the folks on my team at work, and I followed up individually with anyone who responded, naming that anguish and feeling that feeling of powerlessness and talking about ways that we could support each other. That takes emotional energy, but it helps too. 
I love the call and response we do when we renew our baptismal covenant, when we all repeat, I will, with God's help. None of us are in this alone. I think God wants us in the creative mindset, but also knows it's not always easy to stay there. We need reminders. We need practice. Annoyance, anxiety, frustration, fear, they're not new, and they're not going away. We, like Paul, are only human after all. We feel and react with a wide range of emotion. But it is the God in us, the goodness in us, that can help us when we're down. So, no parables today, just a reminder that we are on a constant journey trying to be the best version of humans that we can be for each other and for God. Gracious, curious, empathetic, kind, God in us. Amen.